Usually, whether we like to admit it or not, uh, our opinions are offensive to almost everyone else except us, okay? And so I think maybe we should just pray this morning that I'll just offend everyone equally instead of just a few of you more than the others. Um, but seriously, the, the idea of, of parenting uh, is it's kind of a, a layer below what we're really getting at. And what we're really going to be talking about this morning is authority and honoring authority. And that's a concept that, that our culture struggles with a lot. So um, I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to read our passage and then pray for us. And uh, after I read our passage, I'm just going to give us a few moments um, so that we can kind of in silence consider each of us individually um, and, and just ask Jesus to, to give us soft hearts as we talk about authority, because it's not something that comes easily for us. So let me read our passage, and then we'll pray. This is the Old Testament reading from Deuteronomy 5. Honor your father and your mother, as the Lord your God has commanded you, so that you may live long, and that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Holy God, this morning we need to see you as our Father. And we need to hear you speaking in gentleness to us as your children. Would you enlighten our minds this morning? Would you soften our hearts to the idea that your authority can actually be very, very freeing? So many of us this morning desperately need to be set free from the tyranny of our own passions. And we ask that you would speak to us this morning in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, this morning as we look at at this commandment, we're going to look at four things. We're going to try and understand four concepts. The weight, the why, the what in the world do we do now, and where is Jesus? First of all, the weight. All right, let's nerd out a little bit. Any Lord of the Rings fans? Anyone? Okay, books or movies? Books? Movies? All right, whatever. You guys can find it out later. So, Lord of the Rings trilogy, right? Frodo Baggins, uh, you know, for those of you that watch the movie, just imagine those big, wet, blue eyes, right? For those of you that watched the bo- or read the books, you probably have a better mental picture. But Frodo Baggins is the ring bearer, right? And, and he has been tasked, he's been given the responsibility of taking this ring of power and destroying it. And as we see, as time progresses, the weight of that responsibility begins to bear down so hard on him that he can't even sleep, he loses his appetite. I mean, he almost dies under the weight of the responsibility of this ring of power. As we look at, at our command this morning, we're going to see that, that honor and responsibility are all wrapped up in, in the concept of weightiness. So this commandment is, is the second positive command that we've seen so far. Most of the Ten Commandments are, are proscriptive, right? They're, they're telling us what we should not do. But last week we saw the first uh, positive command telling us to honor the Sabbath, to remember the Sabbath, to rest, And this week we have the second uh, positive command, and in a moment we'll see how they're uh, sort of related, but this command is, is, is positive. It's telling us to do something, not to just avoid doing other things. So we have to ask ourselves right away, what does it mean to honor father and mother? At the core of, of that idea, the, the idea of honor in Hebrew is, is weightiness. There's a heaviness to it. And so in a sense, we could say that this command is to give weight 
to your parents. And many of you parents in this room are saying, yeah, that sounds familiar. My kids have been weighing me down for years. Okay? Give weight to your parents. And that, that sounds a little strange, but we actually have a, a way of speaking about this in our own culture. We, we, we'll say it like this. Don't take your parents lightly. Don't take your parents lightly. And one of the things that we have to wrestle with as we look at this command to honor or to give weight to our parents is, is that it's not going to be a static concept, right? Because honoring your parents at age 12 is going to look very, very different from honoring your parents at age 22 or 42 or 62. The only thing that ties everyone together in this room is the fact that we're children. We're all children of somebody, and yet the way that we honor our parents is going to shift dramatically throughout our life, which is to say we can't jump to conclusions about what this command is trying to tell us. So many of us would like to say that this command is saying, children, always do what your parents tell you, but it doesn't say that. Some of us would like it to say, children, love your parents, or at least like them, or, or like being around them. But it doesn't say that either. And this command isn't just given to the young children that are still at home. It's, it's given to all of us, a, a very broad group of people. There's a certain sense in which that, that since this is given to each one of us, we have to let the idea of honor remain a little bit cloudy, at least in how we work it out. I, I, I can't give you, like, here's how it's going to be every time, because... We're too different. We're all too unique as children. But a couple uh, distinctions can be made. We can say that love is probably inferred in this command. It's, it's probably assumed, right, that, that kids are going to love their parents. And yet, we have to say that honor is still different than love. Lewis Smead says that honor respects the gap between child and parent, and love bridges it. And we also have to say that this command is very closely linked with obedience. There's an idea of obedience within honor, and yet honor and obedience are not exactly the same thing. This command to honor your father and mother doesn't necessarily mean to obey them in every instance at all times. It doesn't mean you have to like your parents. It doesn't mean you have to enjoy their company. So let's just get this out of the way right now. Parents, I'm sorry, but this does not mean that family Friday nights can go on forever and your kids just have to like them, okay? Maybe that's true, but not from this command, okay? We can't let this command say that. Also, kids, just a heads up, this command doesn't say anything about your parents honoring your choices. It's nowhere to be found. And, families, it doesn't say that the family next door to you, their kids have to honor their parents just like your kids have to honor you. It's going to look different. So we have to let the elasticity of this command, um, you know, give us some room. Um, and I think the thing that, that we tend to do, not just with this command, but with all commands, is we want to throw them back out at everybody else, right? We're immediately thinking, yeah, honor your father and mother. And so if we're parents, we're thinking, my kids are okay at that. You know, they're not great. They could be better. Or, you know, maybe if we're an aunt or uncle, we're thinking of like our bratty nephew or niece, and we're like, yeah, they're terrible at it. Or the neighbor kid, or maybe you're a teacher and you see no respect in kids in society today. You're thinking of people maybe even right down on the other end of your pew. We always want to throw this back at everyone else, and yet the fact remains this command is given to no one but us. We're all children. This command is for us. We are the ones who are to give weight to our parents. That is to say, we're to take their role of authority very, very seriously. Not just are we, are we to look at their role with seriousness and weightiness, but as individuals, as people, we're to treat our parents with respect. We're not to take them lightly or for granted. 
We're to honor their place of influence, dignity, and authority in our lives. And so, as I said, as we, as we try to form the idea of what it means to honor our father and mother, we have to at least say that it's not going to look the same from family to family. It's not going to look the same from culture to culture, and it's not going to look the same from age group to age group. There's a lot of elasticity within this commandment, but that doesn't mean that we can just throw it out or let it mean whatever we want. There's still, at at its core, there's a very um, grounded idea of respect intertwined in the language of this command, and that's to be central in our relationship with our parents. Basically, what I'm saying is this. In 30 minutes, I can't tell us all how to do this command rightly all the time in every situation. We're too unique. But it's been said that knowing how to do something is not nearly as important as knowing why you should do it. So let's look at why. Why is this command in the Bible, and and why are we to obey it? As theologians have looked at this command over centuries and centuries and thought about it and tried to understand what it's getting at, it's become uh, very clear that this idea of giving weight and honor to our parents is very closely linked to a right relationship with God. So kind of the, the word family here that's being used is often used throughout the Hebrew Scriptures in, in context of rightly worshiping God. And that's going to give us a, a really basic understanding of why this command is important, but but really, we even have to ask ourselves, what is this command even doing here? I mean, this is, this is at a national broadcasting level, right? And yes, Israel was a theocracy, but so far, all of the commands have been pretty, like, broadly societal, right? Like, honor God, don't build idols, like, these are things that our society is going to do. And then all of a sudden, we narrow right down in on, on, like, a family structure, a very small scale, Now, in a society that's fundamentally more corporate than individual, this can still make sense, right? It makes sense for it to be in Israel's history because we could say that strong families will make strong clans and strong clans are going to make a strong society. But we still have to ask ourselves, why should children honor their parents? And and really more uh, directly, what we have to answer first is why should Israelite children honor their parents? And there are several reasons, but the most immediate is given to us right in the verse, so that it will go well with them in the land. So then we have to ask ourselves, okay, is this like, a, like some sort of magical, practical thing that's just built into the universe? If I respect my parents more than I don't, then I'm automatically guaranteed a good life and things are going to go well? Is that, is that what this verse is saying? Um, Often, there's kind of a form of that idea drawn by natural theologians and uh, social conservatives that, that really strong families are the basis for strong societies, okay? And I think I agree with that implication. I think that's absolutely correct. However, I think there's a much more immediate idea being expressed in, in the book of Deuteronomy. See, as, as Moses is saying this, and he's telling the children of Israel, honor your father and mother, and it will go well with you in the land. In the very next chapter... Moses tells the people of Israel to teach their children the law of God, to impress upon them the story of the Exodus. And then at the end of the, of the book of Deuteronomy, Moses lays out for the people blessings and curses for if they follow God's rules or not. And one of the curses at the very end of all these cycles of, of things that will happen due to their disobedience, it's they'll be kicked out of the land. They'll be kicked out of the land. And so what Moses is, is, is getting at with this command is that if you pass on the heritage that God has given you to your children, 
then Israel will remain safe in the land with God's blessing. So we can and, and we should affirm that stable families are a very important factor in stable societies. But we have to be careful not to insinuate that this command teaches that, that if only America could have better families, everything would be great. Okay? That's to give Israel and America a one-to-one correlation that doesn't exist. And really, it, it turns the, the idea of family into an end in and of itself, which it's not. And when we understand this command in the context of Israel's history and, and all the things that are happening in Deuteronomy, it'll become clear to us that the stability of the family structure is not an end in itself. It is the means by which the story of God's salvation is passed down from generation to generation. Parents are to be storytellers and story livers, and children are to respect it. They're to give ear to it and give it weight and listen well. And really... Uh, you don't even have to be Christian or religious in any sense to get some practical understanding out of this command. Because as we think about generations giving over to generations, our parents are, are linked to the past, right? In fact, without them, regardless of how much you like them or not, without your parents, you don't exist. Okay? You would not have been born if it wasn't for them. And last week, we saw that uh, we were to uh, recognize the weekly rhythms of life, and, and find rest weekly in who God is. And in this command, we see that there's a broader rhythm that takes place throughout human life. Generation to generation, this rhythm just continues, and they're to be remembered. Generations are to be honored. But beyond uh, this idea of, of stable society or, or Israel uh, getting to remain in the land, I think the most important and the most basic reason why we are to honor our parents is because parents are the most immediate representative of God in our lives. Parents are the most immediate representative of God in our lives. Chuck Palahniuk, uh, the author here in Portland, was being more than a little sarcastic when he said, parents are like God. You want to know they're out there and you want them to think well of you, but you really only call when you need something. Okay, that's very tongue-in-cheek, and yet he's hitting on something that is very, very true. At, at the core of life's realities, parents are like God in our lives. The role of parent is a role of authority. It's a role of life-giving. It's a role of nourishment and discipline. Who does that sound like? It's important for us to understand as we look at this command that, that God uses means to communicate himself to his creation. And parents, parents are one of the most fundamental means that God uses to express himself to people. Before uh, we move on to, to think about what do we do as we think about the, the idea that parents are, are God's most immediate representative in our lives. There's, um, there's just kind of a, a sad, serious caveat that we have to make. Um, I know for a fact that there are some of you out there that have a very hard time thinking of God as Father. And unfortunately... There's probably more of you out there than I'm even aware of. And it's not just that you have a hard time thinking of God as Father, but you have a really hard time envisioning your parents as God's representative in your life. Some of you have had a parent, or maybe even both, who completely vacated your life. Some of you have grown up in such tumultuous homes that you probably wish one of them would have vacated your life. 
It's been said, having a child makes you a parent about as much as having a piano makes you a pianist. In other words, there is something absolutely crucial in what parents do that allows them that identity of parent, that identity of God's representative. And I can't think of anything worse than for those of you that are already carrying around unbelievably heavy baggage from abusive and manipulative parents to walk out of this place feeling even more weighed down by this command. That would be a disaster, okay? This world is so full of trouble, and I don't think, I don't think there's anything more painful than a parent selfishly feeding on their own child, Okay? And so for those of you that have experienced this pain firsthand, I just want to say, I'm sorry. It's not the way it's supposed to be. It's just not. Some of you have had to cease contact with your parents. Others of you can't even let your own kids alone with your parents unsupervised, and that is not how it's supposed to be. But I want you to know that, that there's a role of parent that takes place spiritually, even at a deeper level than just biological parents, okay? And if you're a part of this church, or maybe if you're even just here for the first time trying to figure things out, and, and you would say, my relationship with my biological parents is unbelievably painful, I don't know how to honor them, then at least let me just tell you, there are spiritual mothers and fathers in this church. Latch onto them. Seek them out, or at least let them seek you out. Beyond that, I think the, the pain that comes from the, the brokenness of families in our culture is actually very, very instructive for us. Because it actually sheds light on just how important this command is and really what a double-edged sword it is. This command is very uh, pointed at, at both parents and children because it says on the one hand that children are to honor their parents and the assumption is then that parents will be worthy of honor. They will be worthy of being God's representative in the life of their child. So what in the world do we do now? Well, given the idea that that this command is sort of a two-edged sword, um, I'd like to first just address some things with children, and then we'll talk to the parents. Children, respect your parents. Don't take them lightly. They have given you life. And for those of you that don't have kids, like myself, we will never really appreciate the late nights and the crying and the changing of the dirty diapers, okay? Your parents have done a lot for you. Regardless of the things that they may have gotten wrong, your parents have done a lot for you. If you, if you have yet to leave home, if you're still under your parents' roof, obey them. If they, if they tell you to contradict God, then, then you can disobey and, and talk with a leader in the church about how to go about doing that. But other than that, obey your parents. Follow their instructions. God has placed them in your life, and it's not by accident. If you've uh, recently left home, it, you're just beginning to kind of figure out who you are as an individual. This is the stage of life that I'm in. You know, I, I don't have kids yet, but I've been married for a few years, and I'm really starting to figure out who I am as a person. And honoring our parents might not mean following all their rules anymore, but they're still a very, very important link to the past. 
And I, I know, I, I really do know, for those of you that are kind of similar to my life situation, it seems like it's impossible that your parents have ever lived through anything like you're living through, but they have. They really have, and they have valuable insights, whether we believe it or not. I mean, we live in a world where technology changes between breakfast and lunch. And so it becomes very, very easy for those of us that are a little bit younger to look at our parents and think, okay, you can't even type, much less figure out how to watch TV on the Internet. What could you possibly have to say to me that's valuable? And... Do you see how that reveals something about us and not about them? We're making an assumption that, that our life is so wrapped up in technology that that's all that matters. And the reality is there's so much of life that has nothing to do with any of that, and our parents have absolutely crucial, valuable insight. So we need to listen to them. We need to be around them and learn that, if nothing else, human life isn't as wrapped up in Apple products and electric cars as we think it might be. Now, if you've been out of the house for a while, maybe you have kids of your own, maybe your kids are even grown and out of your house, your role with your parents is soon to be almost reversed in a way, right? Eventually, maybe even already, you're going to be caring for your parents or called on to care for them. You'll be the one sending them money. You'll be the one feeding them food. And to you, I would say, give your parents dignity. Don't let them wallow about in loneliness and don't allow the frenetic pace of modern life to dictate your calendar to you. When people are on their deathbeds, they never, ever regret not working more or not earning more money. They regret not spending time with people that are important. And your parents are important. So spend time with them. Learn how to give them dignity even at this new stage of their lives. Regardless of of how old of a kid you are, Um, This is something that has really, really challenged me in the last week or two, is allowing your parents to change. Allow your parents to grow, right? They're not perfect. They were learning as they were going along as well. And if you get stuck in your brain just some impressionable thing that happened when you were 11, and that's how you view your parents for the rest of their lives, that's simply not fair, and it's not honoring. Allow your parents to change, Allow them to grow in their own identity, and especially in their Christian identity, and don't hold them in suspicion. Stop assuming the worst. And believe me, I'm speaking to myself the most here. Hold them in a position of charity. Always assume the best. Assume that they want the best for you. And by the way, as a, just kind of as a side note, as, as we think about the realms of authority that God has established in this world, there's sort of a trifecta of inner circling, inner, interlocking circles, right? There's family and state and church. And, and this is kind of where they all meet in, in this fundamental idea of, of respect and believing the best. I'm not saying you have to agree with your parents or your president or your pastor, but to sus- suspect them of, of doing ill all the time is to, to overlook this command completely. It's not wrong to question authority, okay? We don't want a bunch of robot families or robot churches or a robot country just blindly following whoever can speak the loudest. But somewhere in our culture, we have made a shift from questioning authority to just being suspicious of authority all the time. We just, we just wallow in this attitude of suspicion. And that, that kind of attitude, that, that constant suspicion that we hold on to 
is so incredibly damaging to family relationships. It absolutely polarizes political climates, and it rips churches apart. And it's a failure to follow this command to respect the roles of authority in our life. In the same way that we have biological parents, so those of us who are part of the church of Jesus, we have spiritual parents. We have leaders in the church that have been placed over us as our spiritual fathers and mothers, and we're called to honor them, which includes a willingness to trust them, to think well of them, not put them on trial in our minds or in the minds of others. Now, parents, both biological and and spiritual parents, you are God's most immediate representative in your child's life. The things that you teach them explicitly, and, and probably even infinitely more important, the way that you live your life, the way that you implicitly say things about who God is, your kids are watching, they're listening. They're picking up on your view of God. The way that we live our lives in front of our children expresses what we hold to be most true, what we believe centrally about ourselves and about our world. So if you, in your own life and thinking, view God as kind of a coddling grandfather who occasionally gets upset, but the rest of the time he's just handing out Werther's originals and kind of overlooking stuff, your kids are going to pick up on that. If you have a view of God that that says that he is really only after behavior modification, he just wants you to get in line and stop talking, your kids are going to pick up on that. That's the way they're going to think of God. Do you see that that your role as a parent is incredibly godlike, and therefore you must be incredibly like God? You have to know who he is in order to be like him. You have to know how he works in this world in order to represent him well to your children. And don't misunderstand. I know I'm young. I know I don't have kids of my own. I cannot imagine the kind of weight that that places on your shoulders. But let me just tell you, just personally as a child, okay? As a child, if you as a parent are living out your Christian life out of angst, rather than peace. If you're living it out out of morality rather than the righteousness of Jesus, rather than grace, you will never be at rest and your children will notice it. And it will inform their view of God. And it's going to change how they relate to him. And this is the place where we have to ask ourselves, where is Jesus? Because once again, what we see see in these commands... We're not able to do these things. They they are impossible for us to fulfill completely. And so, as we close up, I just want to look. There there are several ways in which Jesus shapes and informs our understanding of the weightiness of this parent-child relationship. But let's just look at a couple. First of all, Jesus is the honoring child par excellence, right? Everything that he did on earth honored his father, His entrance into our mess, his his taking on of our punishment was done in honoring obedience to his Father. And as we read through the Gospels and, and we see these moments of his life and ministry, we see a man who is so in tune with the authority of his Father and the weightiness of that relationship that everything he does carries that weightiness. He doesn't do things flippantly. 
And even when it seems like there's no real direct connection between God the Father and what Jesus is doing, we still get a sense that there's this deep awareness that everything Jesus is doing reflects on his Father. That's how aware he was of honoring his Father. And so all of us as children, whether, whether we're still living with our parents or whether our parents have already passed on and we're simply honoring their memory, we all have the best model for how to live out this command in Jesus. But it's so much more than that. Jesus is far more than just an example for us to follow because as a result of the way in which he honored his father, Jesus has opened up the pathway of reconciliation for all of us. We could say that at a, at a pretty basic level, the entire story of human history is a story of us, the sons and daughters of God, throwing off his authority, not giving weight to his authority in our lives, to his relationship with us. We thought that we were freeing ourselves, right? But all we did was exchange one authority for another. And really, what we've done is thrown off the authority of God to embrace the authoritarianism of our own passions, of our own desires, and our own perspectives. Does anyone remember the the old movie, The Music Man? Anyone? Like I said, my family and I are very different, so I watched this movie a lot growing up. I still love it. Who am I kidding? It's a great movie. Uh, so The Music Man, for those of you that aren't familiar, it's a, it's a very heartwarming story about a con man. So, okay. But his name is Harold Hill, and he comes to town, and he's going to set up this, this marching boys band. Okay, But in his mind, all he does is he goes from town to town, and spoiler alert, sorry if you haven't seen it, here's, here's the spoiler. He, he has the parents sign their kids up for music. They get a uniform, they get an instrument, and he's going to teach them how to play. And then he skips town before they ever do a concert, all for the great reason of Harold Hill doesn't read music. He has no idea how to read music, much less teach others and conduct an or- orchestra. And so at, towards the end of the movie, there's this great scene where, where the con man, has, he started to fall in love with the town, and especially like one young lady in the town. And so he's kind of like, man, I wish I could stay, but he's been working with the band for weeks now, and the parents are ready for a concert. So he knows if he stays, he's either going to have to like come clean and say, okay, look, I don't know anything about music, or what? I mean, I don't know. They're going to throw him in jail or something for being a horrible liar. But he, sorry, he... Uh, for whatever reason, he decides to throw the concert. Okay? These kids have not practiced a single note, and he decides to throw this concert in front of the whole town. And he gets up there, and he's sweating bullets, and he takes his baton, and he just goes, Think, men. Think. Okay? And the idea was, if they just thought about it hard enough, they could whip out a song real quick. And of course, as movies go, they do. I mean, it's, it's pretty rough, but it's still a song, and all the parents are just glowing because their kids have learned all this amazing stuff. But come on. In life, that would never happen, right? So imagine with me for for a moment that our musicians here got back up and decided to throw off the authority of the music. No need to follow the notes, no leader, no rules. Would that be freedom? Not at all. In throwing off the authority of the music, those people would actually be imprisoning themselves and the rest of us in total chaos. The story of the gospel of Jesus is that he reached into the prison that we have built around ourselves. He reached into that prison in order to free us. 
not to become a new authoritarian over us, but to free us. He came to restore us as children into a right relationship under the authority of our Father. Being installed rightly under this authority actually frees us. And I know that is such a, such a backwards concept in our culture, but being under the authority of God actually frees us from the tyranny of our own death, the tyranny of our own passions. And it's only, it is only in this freedom that we're actually able to live out the weightiness between child and parent. Only in this freedom can we honor our parents. It's only when we have been reconciled to God and we understand the freedom of his authority that we can honor our parents as his representative in our lives. And it is only, only when we understand the peace that we have with God and when we accept the fact that it is indeed for freedom that he has set us free, it is only when we can rest in his love and his mercy and actually live in the knowledge of the fact that his love is deeper and wider and stronger than all of our sins and that he actually wants us, not our behavior. When we realize that and it sinks deeply into our lives, that's when we represent God well to our children. You see that when we have been reconciled as God's children that we can then embrace as parent and child and feel the embrace of Jesus? This is what this command is calling us to. It's calling us to the freedom that is found in the authority of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, your commands are, are too great for us. We are people that need your spirit. We need to be enlivened by you. And we need to feel your embrace because regardless of whether we would say we had the best parents in the world or some of the worst, we all fail to represent you perfectly. And, and we need to know you for who you are if we are to be at rest and if we are to honor our parents, and if we are to love our children as you have loved us. So as we come to your table, would you unite us together in that love? Would you unite us together under your authority and let us see that we are indeed free people because of it? Would we go out of this place as families that love one another, that honor one another, and give weight to each other because you have given it over to us? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Each week before...